This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. You're listening to episode 106. Oh my goodness, why are you doing this again? Of the in-between podcast where you'll discover ideas to build a strong, connected, and joy-filled marriage and family. My name is Daniel Lim. And I'm Christina Am. Well, we've all been around those couples that claim they never fight, right? <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, and we roll our eyes and then we ask them how long they've been married. We've been married for two days. <laughs> oh, yes. Okay, I get it. <laughs> But in all seriousness, do you believe that not having conflict with your spouse, that not fighting or arguing or raising your voice with your spouse is a sign of a healthy marriage? Now, while it may seem like couples that don't disagree, don't raise their voices or don't argue seem to have a good marriage, there really is more to the story, isn't there? And that's why on today's episode, we want to discuss why a conflict-free marriage should never be your goal. After interviewing and observing thousands of couples, Dr. John Gottman, a researcher and psychologist, states that there are two types of conflicts, solvable and perpetual. Okay, solvable and perpetual. What are the differences? Well, first, I was really interested to realize that there are two different types, right? So solvable conflicts are the ones that we can come to an agreement upon. Okay. Makes sense. They're solvable. Mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> they have a conclusion. On the other hand, 69% of problems in a relationship are perpetual. They are unsolvable. Wait, so that means, I'm trying to do math really quickly here, 31% are solvable and 69% are unsolvable? Mm -hmm. So more than half of the problems that we have are not solvable. Wow. Now, these may be things like personality traits that your spouse has that annoy you or longstanding issues around extended family member dynamics or how you want to spend your holidays. You know your trigger points, right? Okay. Yeah, but I never really thought that they'd be three quarters. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. A little less than three quarters, yeah, yeah. but more than half. Yeah. So trying to solve these unsolvable problems is counterproductive and no marriage will ever completely eliminate them. Neither should we really have to, especially if they're mm. personality traits, you're not trying to make your spouse be a mirror image of yourself. Yeah, that's true. So instead, discussing these perpetual issues can provide you and your spouse a great opportunity for understanding and growth on both your parts, not just your spouse's part, on both your parts. Yeah, and that's why uh, we are going to focus on three perspective shifts that we can take when approaching perpetual marital issues. On another episode, we'll discuss ways to approach solvable problems in a way that creates intimacy and understanding from conflict. Uh, but for today, we really want to focus on these perspective shifts for all of these perpetual unsolvable, more than half, less than three quarter marital issues. As Dr. Gottman says, in every conflict, there is a conversation the couple needed to have, but the fight occurred instead Oof, that yeah we know <laughs> oh yes <laughs> so let's learn how we can have those important conversations okay so let's start with the first one perspective shift number one is that your spouse is not the enemy i feel like we could just end the episode yep. right here right? all right mic drop <laughs> exactly. catch y'all next week yeah <laughs> because how many times when we are in a fight 
it seems as though it's me against you, your spouse against you. Mm. The fight consists a lot of, and we're going to be really honest here. I'm right. You're wrong. (laughs) No, I'm right. And you're wrong. No, no. no. And I'm going to (laughs) prove how I am right. And you are wrong. And if you are like me, I've collected the evidence (laughs) to show you how (laughs) wrong you are. (laughs) Even though sometimes it's irrational. Exactly. A lot of times it's irrational. Let's be honest with myself. I have all of the information gathered up to show you how wrong you are. Yeah, and you're great at debating and not giving in. So So we have learned these perspective shifts. But you are not the enemy. I am not the enemy. (laughs) Your spouse is not the enemy. And that's such an important perspective shift that we have to go into our marriage with. And even if you find that you see your spouse as the enemy, maybe on a daily basis, something that you should write down or think about the first thing when you wake up, hey, my, my, my spouse is not the enemy. You're right, Daniel. Take a deep breath and say to yourself, my spouse is not the enemy. Many times we might feel like our spouse is the enemy because during an argument, our spouse uses the four horsemen and blames you or you blame each other for the relationship problems, which actually leads to destroying the emotional bond and leads to more hurt, disconnection, and fighting. We've been there, right? Yeah. So in fact, in the research that Gottman has done, couples that use the four horsemen during conflict are more likely to get a divorce than those who don't use them. Okay, so Four Horsemen uh, sounds like the Book of Revelation. Yeah, they they actually calls it (laughs) the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. Yeah, no kidding. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay, so what are they? Because they're not that, right? Right. These are, it's just kind of a, a... a trendy or a catchy way to, to, to refer. say it, yeah. right? So I will name all four so that you have them, but then uh, we'll go into more detail of what they are and use an example. So the four horsemen of the apocalypse to your marriage are criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. And just if you're driving or you're working out, just as a reminder, you can go to inbetween.org slash episode 106 and you can find all the notes to this as well so just keep on listening uh kind of do the whole you know observation or soaking in of the quote-unquote lecture like you know you do in university and then we have the notes for you on our site okay so let's start with the first horseman criticism what is criticism Criticism is a verbal attack or blame on your spouse's personality or character for what's wrong in the relationship. Now, this can go back and forth, right? It could be you saying it to your spouse or your spouse saying it to you or both. So an example of criticism is, ugh, you're so selfish. You always just talk and talk and talk about yourself. Now, can this be thoughts? Does this have to be verbal? Well, I think that, you know, if you're thinking it, It's eventually going to come out. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So while it may not be a criticism that's coming out verbally, if you're keeping it in, it actually might turn into one of the other horsemen because you're internalizing it versus expressing it. Yeah. Yeah, you're completely right because the second horseman is that of contempt. Right. It's that sense of acting superior. And if there is this sense of criticism underlying in your marriage that you might be verbally or nonverbally saying, uh, oftentimes that might be interpreted or seen as contempt uh, because, yeah, you're like, oh, I can't believe this. And maybe you didn't say that you're selfish, but you're using insults or put downs or you're kind of dismissing what they're saying. 
So an example of contempt is you forgot to put the laundry in the dryer again. Are you stupid? Why can't you remember something so easy? For goodness sakes, it beeps at you. Yeah, or maybe for more of the passive types, it's, oh, you forgot to put the laundry in the dryer again. And you're thinking all of that other stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Again? Again? <laughs> yeah. And you're giving the death stare to your yes, spouse. Exactly. Right. So that's criticism and that's contempt. Uh, what's the third horseman, Christina? It is defensiveness. Defensiveness is warding off criticism by counterattacking or acting like the innocent victim. Yeah. So an example of defensiveness is, well, it's not my fault that we're going to be late. It's 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 yours. I mean, you you just took too long to get dressed and do your hair and makeup. So you are counterattacking by acting like you have no part in the situation of being late. It is all your spouse's fault by taking too long. Yeah, and maybe in reality, because of something that you did that your spouse was involved in before, that's why she was taking so long or she started late in getting dressed and Mary Cup and Because you and forgot all that stuff. to put yeah. the laundry in yeah. the dryer. <laughs> All right, number four. Yeah. <laughs> keep going, so the last keep going. one is not about sto- us. <laughs> <laughs> so the last one is stonewalling. And that's when one spouse completely withdraws from a conflict discussion and no longer responds to the partner. It means you you're not talking to them, you're not looking at them, you've just shut down. And usually when this happens is because you're feeling flooded or emotionally overwhelmed. Yeah, so I guess that means that it's not really so much what you say, but it's kind of how you react. So, I I mean, both of us are, oh. (laughs) Pretty good at stonewalling, aren't we? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Because we're shutting down, maybe no longer talking or just being, okay, let's figure, let's, let's talk about something else. Or you just try to get over it or bypass it. And there's this disengagement that happens. And a lot of times it's because there's a physiological change, like your heart rate has gone up or your body's releasing stress hormones into the bloodstream and it can trigger in your body and in your mind a fight or flight response. So you are just done. You're like, forget it. Hmm. And you just check out because your body is saying, you're in crisis here. Okay, so let's think about those four horsemen for a little bit. The next time you are in a conflict or even as you reflect back on the conflict that you just came out of or are currently in, is your natural reaction criticism, contempt, defensiveness, or stonewalling? And how about your spouse? The next time you're in a conflict, here's the important thing. Don't react with the four horsemen. Don't see your spouse as the enemy. Instead, and this is massive, see your spouse as an intimate ally against the war of misunderstanding. I love that. An intimate ally against the war of misunderstanding. In every fight, you and your spouse bring two different perspectives that are valid. Your spouse's perspective is valid and so is yours. And they deserve equal weight. Remember, there is something worth learning from your spouse's viewpoint, too. And if you're kind of the highly rational slash logical engineering type of individual and and you're in a conflict and, and your spouse brings up something that might just be completely irrational and it doesn't make sense, 
in that moment when you're I guess the hormones and your blood pressure and all that stuff is up in the air. Don't argue by logic <laughs> because oftentimes in those moments, emotions are fact, even though the, it might be irrational in the moment. So instead of thinking, ugh, you're just being irrational, think, hey, what can I learn from this? What can I learn from my spouse's point of view by staying calm and saying, okay, let's talk this through. Let me hear what you're going through. All right. So just as a reminder, what we're talking about right now is the first perspective shift, the first of three, and that is that your spouse is not the enemy. Now, before we move on to the second perspective shift, it's important that we remind ourselves that, friends, we're in a spiritual battle. Like it says in Ephesians 6.12, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil, spiritual forces in the heavens. So if the enemy can convince us that our spouse is the enemy, <laughs> if the enemy can make us believe that our spouse is not a child of God or lesser of one than us, not worthy of grace, love, mercy, and forgiveness that we ourselves first received from Christ, then, then, and here's the thing, then we're going to treat our spouse with contempt or we're going to maybe on the flip side, expect far too much from our spouse. So friends, be aware of the enemy's schemes and the thoughts that you have toward your spouse. I love that you mentioned that as well, Daniel, because there are times where it just feels like we are at a standstill. Maybe like we're talking about the four horsemen that we have both just shut down and we are stonewalling. And instead of just trying to get out of it and dig ourselves out of it because we can't, I love mostly, Daniel, it's really you. And I'm thankful for this as well because sometimes I'm just not humble enough to say it. But you say, hey, can we pray? Mm. Can we pray about this and just mm. bring it to God? And that just really helps even my physiological, the stress, all of that, just take notches down further, further down. So perhaps you're thinking, I don't know what else to do. Maybe you can start with prayer. Yeah. And don't use prayer as, okay, we're going to pray and it's going to be solved. <laughs> or it's right going to be like, dear God, please help my spouse realize how wrong they are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a verse in the scriptures that say, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry and abounding in love in James chapter one. So even from that perspective in praying, do, do it in a posture of humility and in a posture of listening and in a posture of, okay, what have I done to contribute to this? Um, and ask God to reveal that to you, to both of you. And then, yeah, sit in silence. And yeah, so that's that's kind of the idea there. So that's perspective shift number one. Christina, what's the second perspective shift that we need to make? The wait is over. Find out what happens in the thrilling conclusion of the 12th Dead Sea Squirrels book, Babylon Breakout. Hi, I'm Mike Naraki, co-creator of VeggieTales, voice of Larry the Cucumber, and author of The Dead Sea Squirrels. Get ready for more daring rescues and hilarious jokes as Merle and Pearl and their animal friends embark on a ridiculous mission to bust the kidnapped Gomez family out of Babyland, a Bible-themed amusement park with talking animals. Young readers will love the nutty misadventures of 10-year-old Michael and his friends and will learn all about biblical life lessons such as forgiveness and friendship. Read all 12 Dead Sea Squirrels books. Available wherever books are sold. It is the fact that conflict is not bad. 
It is in the space between. So let me unpack that for us. Instead of viewing the problem as your spouse's fault, it is helpful to shift your view of the problem as inhabiting, as living in the space between each other. There's a useful metaphor I've heard where the therapist compares spouses to separate islands with murky, cloudy, kind of muddy water separating them. Mm. Instead of trying to fix each other, you're on different islands, you and your spouse should focus on cleaning the yucky water. Mm. After the water is cleaned up, you can both dive below the surface of what appears to be going on to discover what is actually going on. So it's not just pointing out, hey, look at this dirty water. It's figuring out why is the water dirty in the first place? Wow, what an image. I really appreciate this island example because it's also helpful in illustrating the need to travel to your spouse's island to see their perspective of the world. So like if we have an issue, sometimes we just think the way we're seeing the world with our own lenses is the absolute truth and the way our spouse sees it is absolute garbage, (laughs) which is not true. So typically when we are in a conflict, we become stuck on our own island and start throwing verbal rocks at our spouse's island. You know those ones, you're so stupid, why are you thinking this, I can't believe, so on and so forth. But if we take the time to swim over, walk around, and see the problem from their point of view, we increase the chances of shifting our perspective from, I don't understand why, or why can't you just, to, oh, I haven't thought of it that way. I can totally understand how you see it this way. That makes sense to me. Christina, that's so helpful. And I love that image. Uh, So podcast family, if you've been listening to our podcast for a number of episodes, you know that dishes are a bit of a hot button (laughs) topic over here in the M household. And we seem to fight over Tupperware lids more than the average couple. But when we posted that, it was amazing (laughs) to see how How many many other people. This is true. (laughs) Yes. And you know what? We also used to fight over loading the dishwasher as well Mm -hmm. Uh, and this really is an example of a perpetual problem right it's a perpetual problem an unsolvable problem that we've just learned to walk through i think you need to unpack this a little bit deeper honey (laughs) well okay so every dishwasher is a little bit different Mm -hmm. so we've had multiple dishwashers i guess we we've been blessed to have multiple dishwashers we've gone without (laughs) yes yes. exactly so (laughs) Every dishwasher, you can't load it the same as another dishwasher. The configuration is different. The height is different between each rack, where the blade is, and there's all this stuff. So there's science to it. There is. And you can't... <laughs> you a lot of thought into yeah, this, right? There's maximum efficiency as to where you load the dishes and where you can put cups and bowls. And yeah, so there really is a proper way to load the dishes. Mm-hmm. There is. <laughs> There is. There, there is, Christina. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, I would, you know, we I would pack the dishes in the way that would just make sure that they got washed. I wasn't thinking about how far the prongs were from each other. Or in a wasn't way that thinking. was just in there and not exactly. organized the at all. The fact that it's in there and it's not in the sink, I count that as a Even if win. they're on top of each other and That's they're not okay. going to get the washed. That's okay. The water will splash. Yeah, okay, It'll be sure. fine. Yes. So... 
I would do that. I would, you know, it's my turn to do the dishes. And so I would rinse them lightly and then pack them away and close it and call it a night. And then out of the corner of my eye, I would see Mr. Daniel M go to the dishwasher because he needs to put a spoon away or something. Open it. <sighs> Take a sigh and start rummaging around, like taking things out and putting it back in. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah, but it's so beautiful at the end of it all. Well, what's the point? You're wasting time. That's why I thought you're wasting time. And I feel offended because basically what you're saying to me is that I don't know how to do it. Okay, so how did we resolve it or kind of resolve it? Well, I learned after, you know, we fought about it and it was, why do you do this? And contempt and all of the four horsemen into the fine, whatever you do it as the stonewalling, uh, just realizing that first of all, okay, my husband has a really good Tetris brain. You know what I'm talking about, right? Where you can just be able to see where things fit for maximum fillage (laughs) of the the dishwasher. I love that, fillage. He could literally put it, I think the dishwasher is full, and then he would go and figure it out, and he would fit in like a whole other load. And so I was like, you know what, baby? You're actually good at this. So if this is something that you want to do, that you want to take the extra time to do it, I'm going to say, hey, this is a win. I see it from your perspective that we're wasting water and energy by having to do extra loads. So if this is something that you really care about and you're good at, why not? Go ahead, babe. I'm not going to be offended. I'm going to be thankful that you're taking the extra time to do it. Okay, so we've looped around the first perspective shift, which is that your spouse is not the enemy. And this perspective shift that we're talking about is that conflict is not bad, but it's the space between. So how is this, as an example, the space between? It's the fact that we were on separate islands and we were uh, in the example and it was we were fighting about dishes. But really, when we cleared that murky water and got to be able to see each other's perspectives, then it helped us realize, oh, helps me realize, hey, Daniel, you're actually really good at this. You can save us money and water and help the environment if you are going to do it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You really learned about me just saying that, hey, reminding me, this is not a personal attack against your characteristic, against your personality, against who you are. Yeah, because on my point, and and that's the thing, right, in this space between, the fact is there are always two valid points of view. So there's my point of view and there's your point of view. And instead of stonewalling or uh, using the four horsemen, uh, we really need to clear that water first so that we can understand the two different points of view. So for me, hey, I was, as much as I would look at the dishwasher and be like, man, Christina didn't do it the right way, if I were to pedal back a little bit and you just never load the dishwasher that would have created something so part of it (laughs) part of it is well okay so she because oftentimes i'm the one that does the cleaning Mm -hmm. uh, but on the rare occasion that i cook uh then we say you do it so for me i would rather having stepped back i would rather still that she loads the dishwasher and then i reorganize than me having to do all of it because i think that would have been a whole different set of issues completely and then you stopped sighing and being like ugh, (sighs) like having to do that it was just really something that we agreed okay you would do so once you accept the idea that in every disagreement there are always two valid points of view 
it's no longer necessary to argue for your own position. Instead, what would it look like if you empathized with your partner's feelings and really began to understand their island? So going back to the dishes example, we had that conversation where saying, hey, when you sigh, when you open up the dishwasher, I feel attacked. It hurts me to feel like I am being thought of as less than. And we addressed that and you explained your situation, you apologized and you stopped sighing. So it's important to note that this doesn't mean that you have to agree But it's important that you understand where your spouse is coming from. So when you do this, when you take the time to be able to understand your spouse and your spouse does this for you as well, it becomes much easier to find a solution that works for both of you. That's perfect. All right. So those are the first two perspective shifts. The last one is this. If I win, we actually both lose. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like we could stop there again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this this shift is really to remind yourself that y'all are on the same team. So an easy way to keep this in check is to remember this. Check your jersey, <laughs> right? Check which jersey you are putting on because oftentimes in conflict, we feel like we're on different teams, right? We feel like we are trying to score points against each other. And the the idea is that, yeah, of course, if you're playing a game, if you're playing hockey, you want to win. You want to get as many points as you can so that you win. The problem is, uh, as spouses, uh, when this happens, you actually both lose. Remember the saying, two wrongs don't make a right? Mm -hmm. It applies here too. The goal of a conflict discussion is to find the best win-win for both of you. Not just yourself, (laughs) for both of you. Sometimes, we're going to be honest, this requires a lot of hard work to come to an agreement. And other times, it's just a need that your spouse or yourself has to feel heard and understood. Daniel, I love the example you're using about the wearing of the jersey. Because it's helpful to imagine that you are both wearing a jersey of the same color. At times, we forget and pass the ball to the wrong team. But if we take the time to check our jersey, we can remind ourselves to do things like pass to each other. We can work together instead of against each other, and we can score points together against the team of misunderstanding. And here's something that Christina and I will often do, not necessarily at the same time, but will often do when one of us realizes that we're playing on opposite teams or or that we're not checking our jersey. Uh, one of us will actually just go and hug the other person. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's why, yeah, it's like, why are you hugging me and i was like i love you or you know it's just this sense of and it really does shake things up it does yeah. because there's a sense where well i don't want to hug. that's the last thing that i want to do you're in the opposite team we're in a fight but you hug and you hold on to the other person and there's just a sense of oh wait actually we're on the same team yeah we are of one flesh So if you struggle to respect your spouse's perspective, uh, it might actually be because you are seeing your partner on the opposite team. This is common. It it really is. And and what happens is we often highlight our positive qualities and we unfortunately label our spouse with negative ones. So (laughs) in the heat of the argument, right, we easily forget that we also have negative qualities, right? We also have negative qualities and our spouse has positive ones as well. 
So this is actually scientifically proven. It's called the fundamental attribution error. It's pretty much saying, I'm okay. I'm good. I got it together. But you're not. You're defective. Something is wrong with you and not with me. Ouch. (laughs) So can we go, hey, Faye, fundamental attribution error when that happens? Or will that just add to the stonewalling? I'll be like, what's Faye? Maybe Who's it's Faye? Faye? <laughs> you calling me Faye? <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, so this competitive view, right? This competitive view stands in the way. It stands in the way of resolving relationship conflicts, right? Because it's me against you, you against me. So take a deep breath and see the qualities in your spouse that you see in yourself. So during a fight, do you feel like you are taking the extra step to be gracious to your spouse? Now, are you able to see and point out the ways that your spouse is taking the extra time to be gracious to you as well? Do you feel like your spouse is being really selfish in this fight? Well, can you step back and see the ways that you are being selfish as well? Perhaps the point is not to highlight how selfish your spouse is, but instead notice how you are being selfish as well. So a personal example about this is that our ice maker machine has been broken for probably about uh, maybe six weeks. Mm -hmm. And I was telling Daniel, um, hey, the ice maker machine is broken. And uh, could you call the appliance person and just make sure that they're able to book when COVID is over to come over because we want ice. And I would remind him again. And again, and again, hey, have you called? No? Okay. And so my inner dialogue was, oh my goodness, I am so, so busy. Why can't he call the ice maker machine person? (laughs) I was thinking the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) She's so selfish. I was like, I'm so busy. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So... And then it came to a point where it was like, we're at a stand still. We are on different islands and that water is just murky and there is no ice for anybody. No, (laughs) not at all. Even though we live in Edmonton. (laughs) Exactly. So uh, I just figured, you know what? If I really want this ice, I am going to take the extra step to do it. Uh, he is really busy. He really, really is busy. And so realizing that uh, me calling him lazy, or at least in my mind calling him lazy, and turning around and being like, if I have an extra 10 minutes, 15 minutes, I can call. And because I was realizing, actually, I was just kind of just, you know, tapping it over to his side when really he didn't need an extra thing to do. So I ended up calling and booking an appointment and it really wasn't that hard. Yeah, that's right. She called. She gave in. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. Okay. Long story short, I did call too because they did end up coming to repair it and it didn't work afterwards. <laughs> it made it actually worse. Yeah. And then I called this morning. So it was a sense of, okay, let's all be on the same team. Let's yeah, hug each other. <laughs> because I did ask him, I was going to go work out and I was like, can you call? And he's like, yeah, totally. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Yay! Were, you ex- were you expecting another fight? <laughs> another standoff? <laughs> Who knows in the M household? Yes. Who, Who knows? knows the ways of men? Okay, so these three shifts 
here these three perspective shifts number one your spouse is not the enemy number two conflict is the space in between and number three there's no i in team these are very helpful they're so incredibly helpful because they remind us to listen and be aware of our spouse's side of the story in the inevitability of these perpetual conflicts that we just need to live with. Yes, those three perspective shifts are so powerful. It was really interesting as I continued to research about this that Dr. Gottman's research on thousands of couples actually shows that problem solving before spouses feel understood is not helpful. Mm. It is counter productive. It's like tires spinning in mud, trying to move on, but just digging itself deeper and deeper into the conflict. So friends, podcast family, instead of avoiding conflict as a whole, next time you and your spouse are in a heated discussion, remember that a conflict-free marriage is not the goal. All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed that episode. What we want to encourage you to do is share this episode with your spouse in between.org slash episode 106, or hit the share button on your podcasting app and say, Hey, honey, can you listen to this too? And I'd love for us to have a conversation about this after the kids go to bed or over dinner and just talk through the concepts of these three perspective shifts, even listen to it again together and have that conversation with one another. Because, I mean, honestly, this is mind-blowing that, hey, it's not about having a conflict-free marriage and it's not just about trying to avoid conflict at all costs because that's just a lose-lose battle because you're going to have conflict. So I really, really want to encourage you to do that. And maybe you could uh, take a selfie or share with us on social media about how you're doing this uh, with one another, because we would love to connect and just cheer you on. Okay, so Christina, next week on episode 107, what are we going to be talking about? We are going to be interviewing Dr. Greg and Aaron Smalley about what to do if you feel like you have a sexless marriage. All right, so we'll catch you next week. This episode was brought to you in part by the Table Podcast at Dallas Theological Seminary. Listen to rotating hosts discuss issues of God and culture to demonstrate theology's relevance in everyday life. Find it on your podcast app. For videos and more, visit dts.edu podcast.